0: A podcast for the movie aisle in which we that's marie and dan take a look back at a film that did not win the oscar in the category in which it was nominated and we try to decide whether our choice would have been a more worthy winner hi dan hi marie how are you i am um, not too bad thank you i think you've got all the sunshine at the moment and we've got all the rain uh it's typical typical of a cross-atlantic uh conversation
1: I'll take a little rain for the humidity
0: oh. and the
1: melting temperatures that we have.
0: Not to complain
1: too much, but I would love to have a little cool front here.
0: Don't worry, I'm sure it'll arrive at some point, so uh, enjoy it while you have it.
1: Yeah, November.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yep, yeah, so um, we're still kind of in a, an odd kind of a lockdown, so I've not, still not done anything particular since the last time we spoke it's uh i think some shops are reopening again the pubs are reopened i think it's only a matter of time though before we have to take a step backwards i think you're pretty much the same yeah yep. yeah
1: sad to say i think we are starting to step backwards
0: yeah i think that's right so anyway at least while we're remaining safe we've got things to watch. Um, Indeed. And this week, it was my choice, I'm so excited about this. Um, We visited the 70s in the past, and we visited the 90s, and I decided to take us way back in time before either of us was born to actually 70 years ago, in 1950, and I chose Sunset Boulevard. Wait a minute, haven't I seen you before? I know your face.
1: Get out, or shall I call my servant?
0: You're Norma Desmond. Used to be in silent pictures, used to be big. I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Uh
1: I knew there was something wrong.
0: They're dead, they're finished. There
1: was a time in this business when they had the eyes of the whole wide world. But that wasn't good enough for them, oh no. They had to have the ears of the world too. So they opened their big mouths and out came
0: talk. Talk, talk! That's where the popcorn business comes in. You buy yourself a bag and plug up your ears. You've just told me you'd never seen it all the way through before, is that right?
1: True. I hate, as a, as a movie guy that I claim to be, to say this, but no, I had not seen it all the way through, and in fact, after I reviewed it, I hadn't seen it about halfway through, so. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah.
0: nothing to be ashamed of. That We all have blind spots, so this is one of the good things here. But I am glad that you now have seen this. First reactions without going into too much detail? Yes or no? Loved it. Excellent. Yay. Honestly, it is probably probably in my top 10 or 15 films of all time. I really, really like it. I think it's wow. fantastic
1: Well, yeah. on that particular note The Hollywood Film Institute's top 100 films of all time This came in at 64 Okay On the list And uh, I would say that it's probably not that high on my list But an excellent film nonetheless
0: Good So it came out in 1950 um,
1: September 29th, by the way
0: Oh, okay My,
1: my younger sister's birthday
0: Very good Although mm-hmm.
1: many moons later, about 30 years later <laughs> The 30th um, anniversary edition, she was being hatched.
0: <laughs> so it actually was nominated in lots of categories at the Oscars, seen as we look specifically at Oscar nominations.
1: 11 to be exact.
0: Which is quite a large number, considering there aren't, you know... Categories are slightly different then than they are now. Um, but I'm just looking through the nominations were for best picture, best director, all the four acting categories. Story and screenplay, which I guess would be what we would nowadays call original screenplay. Correct. Um, and then I think music, if I remember. Yes, yeah, score, the score, right? score was nominated.
1: Film editing, cinematography. Episodes
0: cinematography of course yeah and
1: art direction slash set direction okay. or decoration excuse me decoration for a black and white picture so they had color film and black and white and those categories have now been melded into just one just
0: the one but that is interesting isn't it that at that point there were they, they had two categories because they're incomparable I guess and it was at that time where things were being made either in black and white or in color so It was fairer to do that, I guess.
1: And it Nod, uh, you've mentioned the nominations. We might as well just go ahead and... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Won for best screenplay, Billy Wilder, Charles Brackett, and Mm -hmm. DM Marchman Jr. And then it also won for that set decoration and the score. A little lesser of the categories. The also-rans, as some in the industry might say.
0: Yeah, which is a shame. But then it was such a strong year, wasn't it? I think it was a strong year anyway. So the the competition that year (coughs) consisted of mainly, certainly in the best picture category, uh, was King Solomon's Mines, Father of the Bride, Born Yesterday and All About Eve, which was the actual winner in that particular competition. I'm, I mean, I'm just interested that there are two out of five, there are two comedies in that list. And I don't, comedies just don't get that kind of recognition nowadays. No, even, sure when we, even when we have 10 in the list now, nine or 10 or however many they choose. I don't know that comedies get, even get a look in then. Or am I misremembering? I don't um, think they
1: do. No, I, I believe you're correct on both accounts. And uh, you know what a pity because comedy is so difficult. And when you get it right not to be recognized. You know, we're talking and the winner isn't Academy Awards, but uh, here you go. The Hollywood foreign press um, has a greater appreciation, I think for comedy than does currently the Academy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And maybe we'll see that change.
0: Yeah, maybe, maybe the ca- it's the categories as well. Part of the time, isn't it? And the promotion behind each of the films and comedies just don't, wouldn't get that amount of uh, marketing and promotion to support a bid nowadays. I wouldn't guess.
1: Right. And I think also that to get a quality comedy, you know, not just this hokey pokey slapstick, you know, everything's a Saturday Night Live spinoff. Not that there's anything wrong with those, but Mm, some of them just are hokey. Uh, But if you get a, you know, a classic, like say one of my favorite Blazing Saddles, which we've talked about before off air, certainly worth its recognition.
0: I wonder if it's because comedy is is more subjective in that you might find something really funny and it just just doesn't make me laugh for example it's more difficult for one film to to to, to rule them all <laughs> one, one film to be every a comedy film to be everything to everybody uh, in a way and, that and, drama and, can
1: right and i was just saying quality comedy may be just too much subjective i i think there's a an art form to it that's maybe mm. underappreciated underappreciated in the movie business but you know, as a guy who failed at stand-up comedy many years ago. <laughs> you've hit a nerve, but that's not what we're here to discuss today. <laughs> okay, no, no.
0: Let, so let's go IMDb.
1: Yeah. Yes. I'm going to pull us back yes. on track. They IMDb says, and I quote, a screenwriter develops a dangerous relationship with a faded film star determined to make a triumphant return. Yeah. I was reading another review. In fact, I was reading a review from 1950, and I forget where I found it. That this relationship that, that uh, IMDb Kind of cleans up they refer to the william holden character as a gigolo and, oh and this was a 1950s review and i thought to myself that never really crossed my mind i i was looking at this all wrong i, I thought that he was just you know he's trying to escape his problems happens upon uh this dilapidated mansion which i think originally he thought was abandoned And here she is, this recluse former film star from the silent age. And I thought she's looking at him to be the vehicle to getting back in by writing him the parts. He's looking at it as a place to maybe sit down and do some writing and get a free ride, so to speak. I never Mm -hmm. really picked up on the, the gigolo characterization that this review had. And it made me reevaluate the film just slightly.
0: Oh, Again, it is,
1: it is 1950s. So That would have probably possibly been a bit taboo to explore on screen.
0: Yeah. And and it's subtle, I think, so subtle that you might miss it. And in fact, I, when, when I realized, I think what was happening was when he realized what was happening was when he goes to get his new clothes and the shop, the, 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 server in the shop says to him well you know as long as the lady's paying why don't you have the the vicuna the good quality and it's like oh yeah okay this this is not just you know people mutually helping each other out this is this is something more um so yeah here comes
1: my 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 sheltered upbringing (laughs) (laughs) that that hit me right in the head and it still didn't quite register (laughs) oh yeah okay now i see and I, i think there was a moment where the new year's eve party that she threw for them that there was some uh hinting of that sort of thing
0: yeah i think there's something about that word gigolo though that me that i would have taken that to be a bit more um a bit more richard gear a bit more yes like more more than more than one person but yes it's it's we only see him with her he's not necessarily a fine upstanding character either by by any means, right? we can get to that. And if yeah.
1: you thought like Pretty Woman and, and there's another Richard gear with Julia Roberts, <laughs> yeah. as a single client, you know, you would say call girl for a female yeah. or yeah. an escort. Uh, and Gigolo, I think, just came across stronger than I was viewing what it was. I just, yeah. I just thought he was kind of a down and out guy on his luck who uh, can't handle his finances, dug himself into a hole. Yeah. If anybody's ever tried the Hollywood experience, um, I can tell you, I ran out of my money The first attempt in a matter of six months. And now you're scrambling. Uh, I never got to the point of that desperate. And I never was uh, running from the repo men to uh, (laughs) to a dilapidated mansion. Uh, I just hitchhiked home. So that was, uh, you know, it was a little bit different uh, story. But okay. Anyway, I think we we beat on that point.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, well, we're looking at at uh, the actors, and so William Holden plays our main character Joe. He was nominated and didn't win. Jose Ferrer won for Serrano de Bergerac, which is another
1: excellent film, in my opinion. But
0: yeah, um, and we had Gloria
1: Swanson as the aged silent film star in an era of talkies.
0: She was, yes, and she was against uh, Betty Davis for All About Eve. The winner being Judy Holiday for a film called Born Yesterday, also starring William Holden. Yes. Um, you know,
1: but on the Gloria Swanson character, you know, one of those things behind the scenes, parts passed on. Her, she played a, a former film star named Norma Desmond. Uh, the part was first offered to Mae West. Wow! Think about that film. What it would have been had Mae West been there, and when she turned it down, it was offered to Mary Pickford, who was in her own right um, one of the darlings. Uh, in fact, the major motion picture female star of the silent era, one of the first founding members with uh, Chaplin of um, United Artists Studios. Doctors.
0: Yeah,
1: and um, she turned it down. Actually, actually, she didn't so much turn it down as he realized as he was making the pitch. Billy Wilder thought, or, uh, or the director, rather. Excuse me thought that um she wasn't right and moved on but um uh gloria swanson was about fourth or fifth down the list so what what would this picture have been without that performance by (laughs) her you know maybe we're we're not even talking about it today
0: maybe not maybe not because she is outstanding in this she really is i agree um but what interested me about those two was she was she was fifth 51 when she made 5051 when she made this which is the age that the character is supposed to be but honestly i wouldn't have known that i would have put her 20 years older than that definitely
1: i, I agree with you I, I would have thought she was much older oh, you know and also not uh, while we're talking stars and, and the other two supporting role categories also had a nominee they did. Um, nancy Olson for supporting yep. actress and then uh, eric von Strohem who I thought gave a brilliant performance. <laughs> um, I, I look at the list of the others that were that nominated in his category and I thought he was robbed, quite frankly. I thought, I thought he was brilliant uh, as the, you know, protector. I don't know if man in waiting, butler, yeah. cook, the every, you know, the companion, the only other companion in the house is looking after uh, the missus yeah. and you know, and I don't know how much we want to play spoiler, but there, there came a revelation about his role in this soap opera. And that caught me off guard. But uh, again, brilliant. And particularly in the scene that everybody remembers at the end, which I had forgotten was the very end uh, when I saw it briefly before that he takes on that role as director again.
0: He does. He, he does that because he's the one who knows how to speak to her and that's the way to get her to to come down the stairs at the end but that's also a part of, of the the real one of the real thorns in this is that he is actually feeding her I don't know if I want to call it mania but she you know she clearly has a mental illness and he yes. is he might be looking after her in one sense in bringing her food and Madame madame likes this and madame doesn't do that but he's actually just propping her up and prolonging that issue and he didn't get her help he's actually just making it he's allowing it to continue which is actually not the best you know you would think if he really did still love her he might have tried to help her a little bit before it got to the point
1: yes but you know also it's revealed in in the big reveal of who he is in the story that he had been a film director he he was a contemporary of DeMille and, and and the others that they mention and Griffith, I think, was the other one, E.W. Yeah. E. Griffith. And maybe he, too, is out of the inner circle. And so the other part of this, since we've already – spoiler alert. Spoiler is, uh, yeah, Spoiler you know, He was her first husband, uh-huh. of, if memory serves me, of three. And so, um, so whatever that had been probably had started at work and evolved from there would be my guess. Mm-hmm. And pictures went from silent to talky, and she didn't make the transition. Um, there's a there's a line in there where she's talking to DeMille when she goes to visit the set and says, honey, remember, I don't start before about 10 a.m. And, uh, and we'll be finished by 4.30. And anybody who knows anything about filmmaking knows they are long, long days. <laughs> We're talking 16, 20-hour days, five, six days a week, depending on the size of the production budget. And if she's going to be the star, I'm guessing that's not going to cut it and she doesn't even recognize that that's not going to cut it.
0: No, she doesn't at all. <laughs> but she she feels that she can still give her demands because, you know, she made the studio, didn't she? There wouldn't be a Paramount without without normal. Exactly. And, yeah.
1: and the way that she's received by all of the other people who are on that current set. Was the just, ol- the was, older people. It was people. really touching. Yes, yes. exactly. Yeah. Who were the background, who were the extras, who were yeah. the... Costume designers, uh, you know the set maintenance folks, the lighting technicians, yeah, the grips. All right, what else you got?
0: So, um, there are some things. That it, this is tricky, one, isn't it? Because you're not going to nitpick as much as I've done in the past with your pick, because you actually quite liked this, so which is great but it means that our conversations are going to be slightly different. For example, (laughs) the big thing about that people talk about with Sunset Boulevard is, and this is spoilers, we can't do this without spoilers. Oh yeah, that's the one where the guy who's telling you the story is dead all along. And that's a tricky one to actually get to grips with in a sense, because on a straightforward level, it's ridiculous obviously but I just wondered seeing as you were f- new to it um how that struck you because when I've seen it three or four times you know well more many, many more times but three or four times quite you know one after the other I'd I stop paying attention to that what what's your take on that
1: well a couple things hit me again I did not realize it until the very end he's the narrator and he's Getting shot and
0: dead in the pool. In the pool. Yeah, um,
1: the pool. So, you know, at, at that moment, I was like, ah, um, I, I had not really thought of it that way. I think in part because the voiceover character that Holden does is varied from the voice that he projects throughout the film. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was going along like, okay, well, this is a 1950s film with voiceover. That's great. Fine. Um, I kind of sort of thought he was a news guy telling this story
0: right and then yeah. as
1: the film starts to unfold i thought no he's a script writer and this is the movie that he's ultimately going to make yeah uh, not realizing it and then at the end i had a american beauty-esque <laughs> moment where i was like oh they did that in american beauty yeah uh, which now makes me have to go back and review that uh because is that a knockoff
0: well that did
1: win that did win best picture yeah and and
0: that's a massive discussion isn't it
1: but i (laughs) I thought i thought from a filmmaking point of view you know when we open up and there's the the body in the pool and we're looking at it from the bottom of the pool up Mm -hmm. as they're fishing him out i thought that's a brilliant piece of filmmaking uh one of my all-time favorite camera angles that i think is underused but I was sucked in and falling along and I call me asleep at the wheel. I totally missed it.
0: No, I think and you're I, right. And I didn't
1: have a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with it.
0: That's good. I think you're right because it, it kind of has that noir feel, that film noir feel about it because you've got the, the voiceover and you, you, you know, the story, the exposition is coming from the narration. Um, but it's weird. It's a weird noir in that you even I do I forget that it starts with a dead body. Until you get to the end and you get the dead body and then, then it, it all gets joined up. And that's really clever. I don't know if, because the, the version I have, the disc I have here, has the alternative opening on it. I don't know if you've ever seen that oh. or, know, or know about it.
1: No, I, I did not. I do not. I do now.
0: It's one that went that, that was shown to test audiences and had everybody laughing in the auditorium so they had to change it but it actually started in the morgue with the bodies covered in white sheets and then they had the little tags around the toes and it was the, the camera was just walking through you know looking at the feet and the tags and and the bodies are talking to each other oh what happened to you oh i've got hit <laughs> on the and they were explaining how each of them had died which led into how joe okay. met his death but I think the fact that these people, were, they weren't talking, you just heard the voices, you didn't see them speaking, but even that, just audiences didn't go for it at all. They started laughing and decided that was not the best way to open a film like this. So they completely changed it. And it now starts with the the ambulance and the I think the, the police as well, just going along the we see the road and the right. tarmac, and then they arrive and then it's, oh, hi. Yeah, I bet you're wondering how I got here kind of thing. And then the story unfolds in flashback from there. So, and you can't tell. You can't. I think the way they shot it, you you can't tell with the distortion of the water, and the death. You don't necessarily know that that is Holden in the pool. Um, right. And I certainly can, did not. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, uh, and I black. went
1: back. I went. I went back to watch that opening <laughs> sequence again, and I thought, no, I still couldn't tell that it was directly him. So, yeah, I, that didn't. Nitpicky for me wasn't as much as it sounds like it might have possibly been for you.
0: No, not not for me. It is for some people. I know that's why people like the film but don't love it because that is a uh, bit weird. I, I'm with you. It, it doesn't bother me. I like that storytelling. I like that twist that that you're not expecting if you've not come to it before. So, I, I yeah.
1: have to say, I have to say before you move on to your next point no. because if I don't, I'll forget.
0: No, go go. How
1: about the bizarre scene with the monkey? Well. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought that was a brilliant setup for the eccentricities of of her of Swanson's character. I just thought, yeah, this seems just about right. She she plucked the chimpanzee off of the uh, Paramount lot, took him home, probably as, you know, as a, as a movie set prop. And then it became her confidant, pet. Who knows what else? Toy. Well, I and, think
0: yeah, I think there's more then, to it than just pets. Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. And Holden's character walks in on Butler, ex-husband, thinks that he's he's the mortician yeah. coming with the dimensions <laughs> for the uh, the coffin, which I thought was just it was just bizarrely brilliant.
0: I love it, when he's and when he
1: buried him out in the backyard. In the, yeah, <laughs>
0: just just a by the pool. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love it. And he just says, if you, if you need help with a coffin, just let me know. Wow. Well, yeah, very, very yeah. good. Which but got
1: think me thinking, maybe you're going to find ex-husbands two and three <laughs> somewhere <laughs> out there in that uh, overgrown garden of a yard as well.
0: Well, I'm sure Max, Eric von Stroheim, would, quite possibly would have dug a hole in, for Madame. If Madame asked, he might have just done that. And exactly. Got rid of them once they'd reached their uh, the end of their lifespan. I think that actually, that monkey thing does lead us on to talking about, about her character, about Norma Desmond as a character. Um, I think there is something about, um, about her that obviously, you know, I've said before, I, I'm saying she has, there's a mental illness there.
1: I agree completely on that point. But also, yeah,
0: I, I think also it is, the film is taking a massive big look at, um, how and it's no different now about how women are being aged out of Hollywood even even I, then
1: I couldn't agree with you more and yeah. and I think that's one of the things I'm sorry to step over you well, I think that's ahead. one of the things that I really really loved about this this picture even though it's 70 years old it still speaks relevantly which yeah. I am gonna say should have made this the best picture well I, I, I it for this year this should have been the best picture. It, it spoke on that. Uh, it spoke on several other things. When we go to some of these parties, what you already mentioned when he goes to the tailor, he says, yeah. oh, she's paying for it. Why not get the better thing? You know, I mean, it just, it's timeless. Timeless. Yeah. And, and I love a good black and white film. I know that uh, we live in an era of moviegoers that have no real appreciation for it in this certain, you know, young people's demographics as a whole. I, I, I thought that was one of the brilliant things about it. And, and I loved seeing the, I guess it's a cameo, if you will, of Cecil B. DeMille yeah. on set, because um, uh, this is nearing the end of his career as well, and his yeah, life.
0: It is. And the film he was working on on set, Samson and Delilah, was actually nominated as well in the same yes. year. So it was just a nice little bit of a crossover there to have a, a real person, a real director playing, playing himself while working on his actual film at the same time. So the other thing about that, I think speaking to the, um, uh, the aging and the you know, women in Hollywood thing, is this montage scene that she has when she's getting ready for what she thinks is going to be her role in this new film that they've been working on. And you see her with the, the face creams and the, the saunas and the trying to lose the weight and tone the flesh. And I just think you could take that out of that film and put it into any number of, of other things nowadays. And it would not be lost. And I just find it quite fascinating that that also she was prepared to do that because, you know, if you, you take a, an actress, an established actress who's been away for a while, she want, you would want to come back in a role that's that shows you off to your best. And Swanson steps up to this role and she is made to look 20 years older and then forced through this montage of how to make her younger with bits stuck on her face to tighten the forehead and that kind of thing. I just think it's a fascinating role for her to have taken and a brave one for her to have taken. And I think
1: that's And it was 1950. It was. Yeah. They they were making this public in 1950. Yeah. And, and here we are 70 years later and it hasn't changed. And it's not
0: changed. And that's why I think she very probably should have won for her Mm. performance.
1: I thought she was strange enough and that did it for me. Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I, you know, I, 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 I I had visions of, you know, choking her in the night while she slept. She just got <laughs> under my skin that much. I know that when I have those kinds of feelings that I have been sucked in to the performance, that that it has drawn me into, you know, this is not some cartoonish caricature on the screen. I, 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 I think she lived that role, and, yeah, I agree with you. I, yeah. yeah I, but,
0: 100%. Which begs the question, then, why, apart from the money... Why? Why does he stay with her? Because obviously, if if he stays with her for for the money, he's not getting any other career benefit from it. I think that says a lot about his character. Holden is such a good choice for this because he's, you know, he's he's a good-looking guy. He's who he was known as Golden Holden for being, you know, the the, the good guy. He, films he made before this were there's some of them they were not necessarily brilliant, but he. He generally played the good guy. He was the good cowboy, you know, fighting against the, the bad um, lawbreakers, that kind of thing. And so to put him here where he's actually not that good a writer, he's not, you know, he's escaping the, the repo men, as you say. He knows what he's doing, he's, but he's not getting much of a career break from it. It's actually not very nice.
1: No, but you know, there there are a couple moments, you know, he mentions going back home to the Midwest. I think he mentioned Ohio.
0: Dayton, Ohio. Yeah.
1: Yes. So that's an alternative. He has a buddy, presumably maybe a contemporary that goes to make a film. I think it was in Arizona. And he had met this man's fiance who becomes his writing partner when he's sneaking out at night. Yeah. And, you know, um, he has I think he has genuine feelings for her. But at the same token he respects the friend enough that he's like, I'm not that guy. He's a, you know, he's a nice guy. He's, he's your future. And she's kind of fallen in love with him through their working relationship. And he keeps her at an arm's distance. And maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. It's because she doesn't have any money at the moment. Although she does seem to be climbing, so to speak, somewhat of the corporate ladder. She talks about starting in the mail room that, that she was a multi-generational kid in the industry you know her grandparents had been in the in the business her parents have been in the business but she started from the ground floor and was working her way up she was reading scripts and now she's writing a script with him and it looks to me like her future is much brighter than anything he's got a shot at and he realizes he would just hold her down
0: It, it yes i think she does have more of a chance than him i do think he encourages her a little bit to start with though
1: the flirtation?
0: Yeah. yeah. And, I think and maybe that
1: plays with the gigolo label.
0: Yeah. Maybe. Yes, right. you're right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's really, this is really tricky because we have nothing to argue about. Damn. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no. I, I tell you what, the other thing about this is that I think if this film, in a more contemporary version, but um, I think it would have done, a, probably would have won the Oscar in recent years. And the reason is this. Hollywood loves films about itself and I think you just have to look at something like Birdman or what else Hail Caesar we've had recently there've been you know a number of them that films that are about Hollywood and Hollywood yeah La
1: La La Land for example
0: (laughs) exactly Um, although
1: it it did not uh, it did not score the gold in quite the numbers that had been predicted
0: no, it, for about 30 other... seconds. It, won, it had the best Oscar for about 30 seconds and, until Moonlight actually won. Yes, um, yes. But Emma Stone won for... for yes. um But won Best for Actress. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. I think Hollywood does like films about itself, like films about itself. And therefore, I think it would have done really well. I think as well as looking at the women characters, it's looking at, you know, you get those behind the scenes, you get the driving through the Paramount gates, you know, the mm. backlock kind of thing. It loves doing that. In yeah, fact, but you know, for,
1: for a movie fan who hasn't ever been to Hollywood, you know, that's kind of what it looks like. You know, yeah. having, worked there, having worked there, that was part of the nostalgia for me every day. It was like, wow, here I am in make-believe land. But then you get behind doors and it's much more cutthroat and it's not the, you know, I'm a Southern guy. So Southern manners and charm, no, throw that out the window. It's cutthroat Mm-hmm. You know, what have you done for me today? Not lately, but today. And I think there's a little bit of an element of that, although it was it was played down a little bit softer. And I thought tastefully so.
0: Yeah. No, you're right, though. But I think you're right. The the four main characters are all in it for what they can get from other people. Nancy Olsen's character is what she can get by the partnership with with Joe. Joe's in it for what he can get from from Norma. Norma needs something from Joe, she needs his script Max is probably the only one who is in it for somebody else. Um, he just steps in the background and he's there for Madame for Norma and there's very little that he's getting from that. He's the only one It's a really strange one to try and pick out the hero because they're all just that little bit tarnished as you say by whatever's happening around them in La La Land Let's end where we started, which is, would this have made a more worthy winner than All About Eve?
1: Absolutely, 100%. Wow.
0: It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because All About Eve is a very good film. But I just think there's something quite special about this. It was my choice. Of course, I'm going to say it should have won. And you, you, you don't know how happy I am that you agree with me.
1: Well, I got news for you, fans. I don't know that you're going to have the same joy with our fourth episode, choice uh, from yours truly.
0: So this is the point at which Dan tells me what I need to get watched for next time. And, um, yeah, I've had a hint, but I'm not exactly sure which way we're going to go. So come on, Dan, what are we doing next time?
1: All right. We're going to go back to uh, a very good year in my childhood, uh, 1981. I'm going to give you uh, a spoiler attempt at a hint and see if you can figure it out. Okay. Uh, 1981's Best Picture winner was a movie called Chariots of Fire.
0: Yes. I'm the going British to tell you the
1: movie. In. I know the British came and shocked the world including <laughs> yours truly i remember crying tears when my choice didn't win oh no so, payback many 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 moons later here we go dun, 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 dun. raiders <laughs> of the lost ark
0: no way
1: so yes you're, way
0: you're telling me that raiders of the lost ark should have won the best oscar pic, picture in best picture oscar in 1981
1: that's absolutely positively what I'm telling you. Um, and I bet most of the world would agree with me.
0: I'm not most of the world. I will rewatch it because I haven't seen it for a long, 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 long time.
1: He's still my beating heart. <laughs> That's almost sacrilege that you speak, Marie.
0: Well, do I have to watch all of them or does it stand on its own?
1: Do you have to watch all the other nominees?
0: No, all the other Oh, oh no.
1: It, it clearly stands on its own. Okay. You don't have to watch the entire saga, no.
0: I mean, I have seen them all once, but that's probably about it. Is this the one with the spiders in it? It is. Oh, okay. And the snakes. Uh, don't mind the snakes, but why does it have to be spiders? Um, okay. okay, right. Thank you for that. I will, uh, yes. Listeners, join us next time when Dan forces me to revisit (laughs) Rages of the Lost Ark. Oh, okay. I probably deserve it. Thanks very much. Let's finish there. Thank you for joining us for um, what's been quite a gentle ride this time, I think. If you want to get in touch, you can at me on Twitter. That's MeasyPie. You can also check out other podcasts and writing over at themovieisle.com. And please do join us next time when. <laughs> we'll be raiding a lost ark. <laughs> Bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: Original music composed and performed by Martha O'Sullivan.